When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're here for a good time, not a long time. Join us here today on another episode of Outside Shots presented by the good folks at OGs. EJ's on the road out in L.A. about to do the Lakers game tonight, so we'll see how this goes. But, uh, Eddie, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, and uh, I'm going to have to surprise you. Uh, I'm not doing the Laker game tonight. We're oh, actually o- off. It's TNT only, right? Yeah. So I basically, I have basically been in LA all week and I went over to Santa Barbara, uh, the last two days. Okay. And I was playing golf. I played 36 holes a day. Oh man. And for two straight days, I played on this golf course called Sandpiper. Mm. It's right on the ocean. One of the most beautiful golf courses you ever want to see. You can go to Jump Shot 8. I put it on my storyline. You can actually see it on Instagram. And uh, had a tremendous time. Made a lot of money. That's good. Because that's what EJ does. EJ, when he gets on the golf course, he makes a lot of money. He makes a lot of money. So you don't understand nothing about that because you don't win at golf. No, no. But let I've, me give I've, you. I've struggled a couple times against you. Of let me give you a quick little story. Yesterday in the back 18, you know how we play greenies, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for people to understand that greenies are all the par threes, uh, closest to the pin, wins the greenie. You got to validate it with a par. And we normally play $5. So, you know, so the winner of that particular hole can win $15, right? So these par, these par threes are so difficult. They are so difficult that... We went the whole first 18, nobody got it. So they said, oh, we'll just carry them over. All right, fine. So you got to understand, that's like if somebody loses it, that's $20 that mm-hmm. you lose, right? So if you win it, you win 60 bucks. So it got, it, it got past that. And then we went the next three and the next 18, nobody got the green. By this time, the wind is blowing about 30 miles an hour. Yeah. In the central coast, it's it gets cold. pretty aggressive. Oh, yeah. It's cold. And so EJ, 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 EJ walks up to 18. Okay. Part three, baby. Over water, 185 yards. And EJ got to win the Monday. And I just stick it. I stick it. I hit a little cut shot, goes in, hits, boom, boom, rolls up to the pin. And I got a little five-footer for birdie, which means now that's double. That's double. You got 120. So EJ rolls the birdie in, and EJ won a bunch of Monday yesterday. <laughs> a bunch of Monday. Yeah, well, so I'm in, I'm in a good mood. I'm in this, a good mood right now. It's a perfect segue. It's almost as if you knew what we were about to talk about. But I do want to bring this up. If you want an opportunity to uh, watch the Suns play and have a good time uh, doing some golf-related activity, you should come joining us at Putting World for the putting party, our first ever putting party at Putting World. Uh, it's not your typical uh, 
you know, 18 hole course. It's uh, it's very realistic to greens out there uh, in the valley. So come check it out. Bunch of prizes, giveaways. We have multiple contests going all night while the Suns will be playing on every single screen and on the loudspeakers so you won't miss a second of the action. So please come join us. I don't know if EJ is going to be doing the game that night, but if he's not, maybe we can coerce him to come out as well. We'll see. But uh, EJ, um, the chemistry issues on the Suns continue to uh, rear their ugly head. They've uh, struggled, obviously, of late. And, you know, a lot has been made about the fact that these guys have only played six games together, only 108 minutes together. And uh, there's a school of thought to they need a lot more time versus there's a lot of other glaring issues that are existing outside of just chemistry issues that they can control that they are not controlling. Uh, you watch this team on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so far, you know, in six games of the big three, what do you like? What do you not like? And what do you think is the major issue if you had to point to one with this team? Familiarity is, is the number one main issue. And I know it's people. It's hard for people to understand it because they 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 pretty much like look at athletes sometimes like robots, and they just expect them to be able to go out there based on paper, and get it done. Like you're looking at Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal out there, and you're like, man, they they should just be able to just go out there, coexist, and win. And unfortunately, it's not that easy. I wish it would we would be that easy, but it's not. And I think we've gotten a dose of that, didn't we? Like, didn't we get it when, like, uh, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade got together in Miami? Yeah, start off And we eight saw eight. they got off that first year. They got off to a slow start. Uh, and and they finally, they did get to the finals. And guess and, what? And real quick, and real quick, and I will say this to back you up. They started off 8-8, eight and eight, and everybody was burying them because what was the precedent before them? It was the 2008 Boston Celtics who had KG, Allen, and Pierce – and they started off 32 and three. So everybody just assumes you get a big three, it's going to be gold. And obviously LeBron and them showed that it, it isn't. But they did get to the finals that year. So that, that was the they end. Get, they got to the finals, but then they lost to a team that everybody said that they would blow out, right? And because that of? to me, and, and that to me because they're a dominant team, but again, they were facing a team. Mm-hmm. Like they were facing a veteran team. Uh, you know, obviously in Dirk, who was hungry too. To win a title, Jason Kidd, who was hungry, had gone to the finals two years in a row with New Jersey at that point in time years ago. Sean Marion, who had gone deep in the playoffs with the Phoenix Suns. It was a different animal. They they met a team, Tyson Chandler on that team. They met a team, J.J. Uh, Barea. They met a team that was desperate and they beat them. And so my point is, it's not, I'm trying to not make, make excuses. I'm just trying to break it down for people. That's it. I'm not trying to make excuses. Yes, I'm disappointed at the at the way we're playing right now and not winning games. I'm disappointed in the fourth quarter. I'm disappointed in all of that. I'm sure a lot of our, you know, viewers today that listen and watch Phoenix Suns broadcast, they can feel the disappointment in my voice at times. Uh, because I want this team to gel so much, so fast, so quickly. And, you know, I have to be patient too. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's that I just want people just to understand that this ain't over. Like this, this team is a run away from being right back in the mix as they did a couple of weeks ago when they won seven in a row and they went all the way up to the fourth spot. 
And and so it's just they're going to have to figure it out, man. And I, I like the fact that they've had a couple of days here in L.A. not having to go back-to-back and all of that where they can practice, they can hang out together, still continue to get to know one another, and just try to figure this thing out. Uh, and And I truly believe that they will. And I just don't want them to have to look up and they're in the eighth spot or they're in the play-in or, you know, I'll, they have an opportunity to still move up. They're not that far out of the fourth spot, even today. And I just want them to be able to turn this thing around. But it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of patience on everybody's part. Yeah, for sure. Xavier B is in the chat. He says, is this live? There's your question. There's your answer. Uh, we are live right now. So if you have some comments, we'll throw them up on the screen here, right here. Um, EJ, at what point, at what point do you feel like, okay, now it's time to panic? Like, are we talking 50 games? Are we talking 60 games? Are we talking X, uh, X amount of games with the big three? Like, what are you looking for? What would be the the signal or the red flag that you you need to identify before you start to say, okay, there's a problem here? When they allow the fourth and fifth seed to get a ton of separation, uh, and I don't know if I would panic. I would just say odds are against anybody to go on the road three on three uh you know series playoff series and win even though we saw miami do it last year and get to the finals uh we saw a houston team back in the 90s do it from the seventh position so it's doable and i I hate these odds that people throw out and all that forget about them odds man records are meant to be broken uh odds are meant to be broken we see it time and time again uh, and, and I'm not worried about that part of it, but I would be worried if we, you know, in the next three weeks, if we're not gelling, especially if we're healthy, right? Because we've been talking about getting healthy, getting healthy, getting healthy. So if we're healthy and we're still struggling, then I would be worried uh, in a sense. But right now I'm, I'm disappointed that we're not winning i want this team to win every night i want them to go out there and, and do what everybody else wants them to do blow people out be that team that everybody start jumping up and down about you know when all these deals were made i get it i i, I want that too but you know for me being a, a player ex-player too i do understand the art of coming back I do understand the art of doing something that people don't think you can do. And then the drive behind wanting to prove them wrong. A lot of that goes on as well. And so I'm just hopeful that, you know, this thing can start to come around sooner than than later. I think we all are. Uh, You know, it's it's one thing to watch this team and and love the Suns, but it's also another thing when you know that they're – they're playing a way that's just been atypical of, of really their careers. You know, Devin Booker has is, is looked a little, you know, he's, he's struggled at times through this stretch, um, trying to figure out, you know, the, the perfect balance between playmaker and scorer. I think uh, Bradley Beal's trying to get his familiarity with, with everybody as well. And I think at times he's been, you know, he's been aggressive. And then other times he's kind of played back and, and, and kind of disappeared from from time to time. And then Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. You know, he's he's been as consistent as anybody on the team. Uh, the best, you know, so far, he's he's averaging the most points. And he's he's played at a high level uh, for a 35-year-old. And everybody keeps saying that. But to me, I don't really equate Kevin Durant as the typical 35-year-old because he's so long, he's so lanky. He hasn't had to 
stress his body like other players in the NBA history, maybe, you know, mostly shorter players. Um, and, and I think he's been playing the way KD always plays. And so trying to figure out that balance between everybody, including the, all the role players, Grayson Allen, I'll, I'll tell you what, J- Eddie, if it weren't for Grayson Allen being in this lineup, I don't know if there would be any continuity from, fr- from the big three to the, to the subs, because I feel like Grayson Allen has been that one kind of constant, no matter who's in and or out of the lineup, and he kind of understands his role. I think he should shoot a lot more than he has been. But there are there's one thing that that consistently has has been brought up, and it especially got brought up this week because uh, multiple people have been saying this. The fourth quarter has been the demise of this team so far this this season. The yeah. Suns are literally the worst team in the NBA in the fourth quarter, and that is yeah. shocking. In the history team. of the league, not in not the, just in the history year. of the league. Yes, in the history of the league, that is shocking for a team that has you know Devin Booker and Kevin Durant on it. Um, not to mention Bradley Beal. What? Uh, why? I uh, how? How is that even possible? I don't even understand it. To be honest uh, with you, I, I, again, I think it's a few few things that when you look at it, people automatically just look at it like you just did. They'll look at, oh, how could you not score a ton of points? How could you only have nine points with three minutes to go uh, in a fourth quarter in a game where you were only down seven going into the fourth quarter against the Clippers the other night? I mean, how does that happen? I mean, you got Kevin Durant out there who's going to be all – Kevin Durant, Devin Booker is going to be, you know, when it's all said and done, I believe they're going to be top six, top seven all-time in scoring in the history of the NBA. And you say to yourself, how could that happen? And then you have Bradley Beal. And then you have Grayson Allen. Then you have Eric Gordon. These are all like snipers, guys that can score. Why is this happening? And a lot of it is not the fact that they're not making shots. It's more so they've had quarters this year where they've turned the ball over. Like, so now you're turning the ball over. And guess what? The other team can score too. And so it just makes it unbalanced, right? So it's the combination of, because I guarantee you, if they start to take care of the ball in the fourth quarter and they start to rebound in the fourth quarter and not allow second shots, second and third opportunities, just remember the Memphis game a couple of games ago. Mm-hmm. If they had gotten a rebound, they probably won that game, right, in the fourth. Remember Memphis, uh, the kid Williams Jr., who just got mm-hmm. a contract based on his play, and uh, yeah, congratulations, I'm happy for him. But he got a rebound, key rebound in that stretch. I think the Suns were up two, and he got a key rebound uh, after they had gotten one before that. Missed the shot, he got another one. They kick it out to Desmond Bain. He makes a three, and everything went downhill after that. And so it's those kind of things, man, that you have to shore up. See, people automatically will just look at, like, the result. of they don't, they, they, look, they don't look at the journey of something. They just look at the result. Like, when I go speak to different groups, like, people see me walk in a room and they say, oh, oh yeah, you definitely you were a basketball player because you're 6'8". They're looking at the result of me. They're looking at... They don't know what I went through to get to where I am. So they don't understand that journey. They just see the result. And they look at the result and they say, well, why can't you do that? 
uh, or you know, you see a guy that's a postman and he's six foot nine, and they'll look at him and like, how could you not be in the NBA? But maybe he didn't want to be in the NBA. Maybe he that's what he wanted to be. You're looking at the result of me. And I think that's the problem. A lot of times we look at the result and we pinpoint it. But realistically, if we dig deeper, you'll understand what I just said. The turnovers, the extra rebounds, things of that nature is what's leading to this. And it's not more so the fact that, oh, they're not scoring. Repetitive, I think, repetitive controllable issues. These these are repetitive, controllable issues yeah. since game one. Turnovers. I mean, turnovers. Yeah. Man, I, I lose my mind every single time we were sitting here and watching the games together. And I'm like, bro, why are you, why are you so lax with the ball? It's the fourth yeah. quarter. These guys are getting more intense. You mentioned the Memphis Grizzlies game. And that was just like, you you lost to a jawless Memphis Grizzlies team when you had a double-digit lead in the third quarter. And you were up by, I think, nine going into the fourth. And you just melted down. Like these yeah. are inexcusable things. The 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 Spurs game way back in the early part of the season when Kevin Durant got stripped at the last minute and they and they won the game. Like those are things that are controllable that could, should have been avoided. And these are the things when you look back at the end of the season if they don't get a 4 or 5 seed or higher, you're going to look at those games and be like we were too sloppy at the beginning of the season to really make up enough ground to be a, a top tier team. And I, fans are frustrated with it, I know. And I know you're frustrated with it too. It's just that's what that's what frustrates me is these things that are controllable. I get the chemistry issues. I get it, and and it's on both sides. I and I know Vogel is this defensive coach, and and you know the defense hasn't been as great as it we all thought it could be, you know. But it's the controllable, the controllable aspect of this that is just driving me insane, and I think a lot of people insane because they should be better than this. They should absolutely be better than this. Devin Booker should never have six turnovers in a basketball game. He shouldn't. He's been doing point book for, you know, off and on for the better part of the last three or four years. Like, he should know this. And so that's what, that's what frustrates me about what is happening. Uh, the inability to identify what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. I just don't get it. And, and, and we expect yeah. it better from them. Well, I think <clears throat> when the Suns came into this season, uh, I had no issue – with not having a quote-unquote pure point guard. And I still don't if these things are done, is what I'm getting ready to say. It's like when you don't have that pure point guard, like Chris Paul handled the ball all the time, dominated the ball, and Chris Paul never turned the ball over. So the Suns' turnovers stayed low, and they were able to win games, right? And so so we do know that's that is the antidote. Okay, because Suns fans watch Chris Paul for a number of years do exactly that. He'll go through a whole game or go through multiple games and not have one turnover. By the fact, early in the year, Devin Booker had some solid games passing and only had one. I think he had a one game where he had no turnovers. That's going to get you the victory all day long. The difference with this team now is because they don't have that guy, the other guys have to understand that now they're going to be responsible for actually making the right pass. And in knowing that, the right pass is not always a scoring pass. The right pass is to get it to a teammate that can actually make the right pass because he has a better angle, he's in a better spot, and now, yeah, you get a hockey assist. 
but you don't get the assist. That's why I wish the NBA would incorporate hockey assists. I do. Because I think the guy that makes the hockey assist made the best decision, more so than the guy that got the assist. Because you had to get it to him to be able to have the best angle to throw it in. He did the simple thing, mm-hmm. right? The guy that has the guy that's up at the top, and he's like, okay, shot pass it there, shot pass it here. And he gives you the secure pass to be able to make the scoring pass. To me, that guy is valuable. And and that's what the Suns have now, is they have guys that have to make hockey assists. And my mindset is, and I've been in that situation before, especially when I played in Seattle, especially Gary Payton's early years and stuff where we just, our offense was moving the ball and, and you know, guys just had to make the right pass. And you understand that, man, and you value it. And, and I think, you know, and I'm sure this is what Frank Vogel is telling them. Like, guys, if we're not going to have a pure, pure, pure point guard, then everybody's responsible for taking care of the ball. And I think they have to get to that point. And when they do, we will see it. And we've seen it this year at times. When they didn't turn the ball over, what happened? Suns blew people out. So we know that that is the antidote to having a solid fourth quarter. And they have to get to that point. No jumping in the air, making passes. No, you know, no out of out of sequence screens, drawing fouls. All of those things, man, get you to win in the fourth quarter. And 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 again, familiarity is going to help them as they continue. But they have to continue to understand that's the way it's going to turn around. You know, I've I've long said at the beginning of the season, I said if the Suns were a top. 15, possibly 10 defense, and were one of the best teams in the league, probably top three or four in offense, then they were going to be one of the better teams in the league, without a doubt. But right now, they're mid at both. Um, and I know a lot of people are saying, well, the offense is fine. Well, yeah, the offense can still use some improvement, especially yeah. ball movement. And there, there's there's a lot of missed opportunities. There's a lot of missed points out there for sure. They can take it to another level. That is the encouraging part. They can take it to another level. There are they're, as they say, they're, they're leaving a lot of meat on the bone. And and when that stops to happen, this team will go to another level for sure. Also, by the way, everybody's killing it in the chat. A lot of you guys making some great points. Appreciate you guys uh, for coming through again. Hello, Zygmunt. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, Zygmunt's came, come here before. Uh, go to Tech Reviews. You guys all killing it. Xavier B., Nice job, guys. Appreciate you and, and all the comments. Uh, also, uh, appreciate you if you go check out OGsBrands.com because OGs is the best edible in the game. Remember to go to OGsBrands.com to find the closest dispensary to you. Check out Peg's RSO. That's probably my favorite. The RSO, uh, it's it's a it's a little oil compound that they throw in there that, uh, that loosen you up, make you feel a little bit good, you know, give you a nice little vibe and, and carry on with your day. So check them out, OGsBrands. Remember, you must be 21 and over, and you also must be 21 and over to enjoy Four Peaks, the best brew around here. Uh, Four Peaks Brew, check them out on Instagram, check them out on Twitter. Go to their 8th Street Pub. It's been fantastic. They got great eats. They got great brews. It's the best craft brewery in the state. You can't miss it. Four Peaks, check out your kilt, kilt lifters. You, they got a new uh, Bad Birdie crossover ale. Like, it's it's money. You can't miss it. Check out Four Peaks, and remember, you must be 21 and over to enjoy. All right. Uh, tonight, they got the Lakers. And, Eddie, you've been in L.A. this whole week. Uh, I know uh, the Lakers have, have also been struggling quite a bit in the last uh, the last several weeks since they won the, the <clears throat> in-season tournament. 
mm-hmm. have not been pretty. Uh, they are going through <clears> it. <throat> LeBron even said as much as saying that they were a uh, uh, pretty dog shit, to be, to be frank. And so tonight's going to be a very interesting game because you have two teams that have been wildly in, inconsistent trying to find their way. And I have a feeling, and Eddie, you tell me if I'm wrong. And I, You tell me if I'm putting too much stock into this one game. But at the beginning of the season, we couldn't beat the Lakers. We lost to them three times in the first month and a half of the season. Um, I feel like if the Suns can put it together and beat L.A. tonight, even though L.A. right now record-wise is kind of a mid-team, I feel like that's the kind of mojo and the juice that they need to turn this thing around. Like, okay, at the beginning of the season, we kind of faltered in the fourth quarter and we lost against LeBron, and we didn't have Book, and we didn't have Beal. And now we do, and now we can turn it around. Maybe we can shut up those Austin Reeves fans, and we can shut up AD, and maybe we can stop them from LeBron, uh, you know, flopping and all that stuff. Uh, and maybe we can get through the Lakers, uh, assuming the refs don't, you know, blow the whistle and give them twenty-three free throws in the fourth quarter. What say you? <laughs> yeah, it's a big game. Uh, I think I think every game coming up for the Suns is a big game, but this is a big game without a doubt. It's a rivalry there. Uh, they've had our number this year. Uh, it's not going to be easy. AD is playing at a first first team All NBA level right now, uh, and LeBron has been unreal all year. You know you're going to get production from them, as we know we're going to get production uh, for the most part, obviously from KD and Devin. Bradley's still working his way in the form, and when he really gets it going, I think that's when you're going to see the beauty of this team, and hopefully that's tonight. Uh, but, yeah, it's a big game. Like, anytime you're losing, man, and you're immersed in back and forth, hanging around the 500 mark, man, from an athlete standpoint, man, you just hate that. Like, and it's so hard to get separation from that 500 mark. Like, we got, what, three, four games over <clears throat> at one stretch and thought we were going to take off from there, and now we're right back and we're only one game over. And And so, yeah, it's a huge game. Obviously, it's on national TV. So you want to come out and you want to play. Uh, and so I expect I expect the Suns to come out and, and play an excellent game tonight. They've had days off. They've been here. Uh, they've, they've been practicing uh, and is continually trying to get things in order. I, I spoke to Frank Vogel the other day, and he's positive. He's like, you know, we're going to get this thing together. It's just taking time right now. And, and ho- hopefully we can stay healthy. And we can have everybody on the practice court every day and be able to work on that continuity that's going to be vitally needed. Like, you know, and and I think that's the key. Uh, So hopefully it'll be a great game. I'm going to enjoy watching it. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to the game or I'll just, you know, sit in my room and watch it on TV. I haven't decided yet. I would suggest you go to the game because nobody wants to listen to Reggie Miller and you know who's going to be doing that game. You know that. So, I mean, trust me, tonight is definitely one of those. Well, I can turn the volume down. Like, look, I I announce for a living. I can announce the damn game myself. I'll turn the volume down, and I'll do that sometimes. (laughs) I'll turn the volume down, and I'm just making my own thoughts. You know, I'm not (laughs) – I. I, it's it's just a couple of people I just, you know, all due respect. They have a tremendous job, and I'm not hating on their job. But it's just – it's like anything else. And I'm sure those people are the same way that they probably hear me calling the game. They don't like me. So it's not personal, but it's just a few in that business that I don't too much care to hear from. 
when they're calling Suns games especially. And so I'll turn it down. I feel like um, you're kind of volunteering to uh, the next time there's some nationally televised games and you guys don't have to do it. Maybe you can just pop in on a watch along and just, you know, give your two cents a little bit while the game's going on. It sounds like you're kind of volunteering for that. Did, did oh, that right? well, well, you've never invited me. I mean, I don't have an issue in doing that. But, you know, I, you know, I just don't want – I don't – but I've, I've seen you all in action, though. Y'all kind of crazy and maniacal. I mean, I like, <laughs> I like my job. <laughs> I like my job, man. Oh, well. like, I, I, you know, so y'all too – y'all got some emotion going on up in that room, man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, uh, I know you like your job. That's why I never set you up for failure on uh, on this podcast. I never asked you a question that I know would probably get you in trouble, right? So You I, can always ask the question. I'm smart <laughs> enough to know not to answer your damn question. <laughs> oh, so, so don't ever hold back. So well, I do a three-hour radio show. Okay, by the way, let me put the plug in. Sirius XM NBA Radio. Uh, we're on from... Obviously, one, well, two, two to five, Phoenix time, four to seven, Eastern time, and three hours of all nonstop basketball. And I have a co-host that always is trying to tweak me and get me to say stuff. So uh, I don't have any control over that. You can say whatever you want. I mean, I, I, you know, I'll say I feel like I'm your best counterpart. I, you know, no shade to Kevin Ray or or Justin Sherman. I'm just saying, like, I feel like I'm a, I'm a solid number two. I, I like to throw so you like the you. face. You like the you like the face of EJ. I mean, and, whatever. And, hey, I, I I will be the bodyguard and I will lead the way. I'll clear everybody out so the man can come through. I'm okay with that. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, speaking of you know not setting up people for for failure, <laughs> uh, you know Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> you know when this happened and he he kind of teased it. I knew we were in for a show, and I knew we were in for something. And if you haven't had an opportunity to go watch Stephen A. Smith's YouTube uh, channel and watch what he says and how he breaks down Jason Whitlock, man, you really should. Because there's very few people in the world that I feel like can articulate and tear you down verbally like a Stephen A. Smith. Um, And he does it in a way that's very calculated it's very methodical, and I mean, listen, he, he puts on a show. That, that's why he's making the money that he's making. That's why he's still on ESPN. Um, but here's a little example of what he had to say about one Mr. Jason Whitlock. But I mean it from my soul when I say this is the worst human being I've ever known. I don't know of another human being worse than Jason Whitlock. He is a piece of shit. He's the dude that's going to have a funeral and ain't going to be no pallbearers. Might be two people to show up. He's that dude. He is the absolute worst. Ooh. So uh, it got a lot more intense than that. And uh, like I said, if you had an opportunity to go take a, take a look and he brought up some, some facts from the back and, um, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, EJ, I will say this, uh, you and I both are not, uh, keen, uh, fans of Jason Whitlock, uh, and really the, the, the way he goes about his business. Um, I think I, I do agree and I do align with Stephen A when it comes to, um, what I think of Jason Whitlock, but 
Uh, I've never worked with him. I don't know him personally. And I know you've engaged with him several times on Twitter. Um, what do you think about this? Not shocked. I'm not shocked at anything that that man does. And at one point in time, I can quite honestly tell you, I enjoyed reading his articles. Uh, this is Jason Whitlock. I enjoy reading his articles. Uh, I would watch his show every now and then on uh, Fox. Uh, and obviously he was on ESPN at one time. And so he's gotten all these chances. And more chances than most. And at that point in time, if you remember, they were putting on, that's when writers started to get on TV, right? And so now you have a lot of writers that have really done well. They've moved from writing and they've gone to TV. And the, 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 the channels and the networks, they were giving these individuals a lot of opportunity. And I was in a way happy for these people because they were always behind the scenes. They weren't heard. I mean, they weren't seen, but they were heard. And now their face is in front of you, right? And all the little collective of shows that we have, that we watch, you're going to see some writers on there doing TV work. And Jason Whitlock was one of those guys. <clears throat> and he got an opportunity. He's an ex-football player. He didn't do much as an athlete. Uh, but, you know, give him credit. He, you know, he at least got further than most people would get. And... You know, I thought the dude was okay. And then the struggle started. You know, he started getting fired. ESPN didn't use him anymore. Fox got rid of him. And ever since then, even before then in a little bit, but ever since then, he's been vindictive. And and I'm I won't shy away from this and more vindictive against people of color, yeah. which I don't understand it. I just don't. Yeah. Like I don't. I'm not saying you know. I look at the world so different. I truly do. And I grew up in the city of Chicago, man. I I didn't I didn't have interaction with a white person until literally I got to school. Uh, outside of school. I had no interaction all the way up until I was about 12 years old, okay? And we moved from the north side of Chicago to the west side, and we were the second African-American family to move in that neighborhood. And all of a sudden, all my friends were white. And I never saw color. I never, they, they taught me how to play hockey, street hockey. I played football, I was playing baseball. And and a few of these guys are still friends of mine to this day. Like, I never, when I changed, I didn't, I changed for the good, man. I just went over and I adjusted. This dude, he got fired from these jobs. And he totally turned on everybody. Don't get me wrong, everybody. But more so, he's trying to make himself known by going after people that look like him. Mm -hmm. And I just don't understand it. Like, I just don't. And <clears throat> for me, <clears throat> I have no respect for him at all. I think he's a piece of crap. Uh, because he's selling his soul for a paycheck. Yeah. And I would I would never do that. 
You don't think I didn't have an opportunity to write a tell-all book? <laughs> the stuff that I know? Yeah. Like 18 years in this thing. I've been in the NBA for over 40 years. You don't think I could write a tell-all book? You don't think that I could go after somebody and pinpoint something to get paid? That's what he's doing. The people that behind him, they are so excited about how he's attacking athletes, African-American athletes, and they're excited about it. Now, I don't know who these people are, but he is he is just out there just whatever he can say. Now, Stephen A. Smith is the face of ESPN, Jason Whitlock. He is. He earned it. No matter what you think of him, Okay, everybody's not going to like Stephen A. Smith. I disagree with him at times and stuff he says, too. But the dude earned it, man. And he's going at him, talking about what he did in, in college as a basketball player. And you didn't do jack squat as a football player. You made it because you was a big house, but you couldn't maintain it. Mm -hmm. You couldn't maintain it. And it's just like, you know, years ago when I think somebody put a, a, a racial slur on LeBron James guard gate at his house you know he goes at lebron like lebron did it like it's just a constant with him man and it's just it's just it's baffling to me it really is i don't like him i'm not gonna go as deep as stephen a it's not i don't hate anybody but i understand what stephen a smith talking about if he feels that way hey you be do you but i just i have no respect for this man He's totally changed. He's totally gone south. He's picked a side that he can make money off of. And the prevailing thought of he's going to go after every athlete he can. And that's what he does on a nonstop basis. And, yeah, he knows I don't like him. If people don't understand, just, just go on Twitter. I have got one at him today. He knows I don't like him. Yeah. Matter of fact, he he got a little he got a little rough and gruff with me, and he didn't realize that I was actually at an event that he was at. <laughs> I said, I said, why don't you? I said, I tell you what, I'm here at the hotel. Why don't you know you want to discuss this further? Come on, let's do it. Somebody running from you, man. Like you know, so yeah, I don't think we've seen the end of this because mm -hmm. now he's gotten attention and he's yeah. going to run off about fifty tweets. So now he's getting attention off what Stephen A. said. Yeah. So that's that's how he works. Uh, we should just shut him off and don't bring him up. But I think we also enjoy just letting him know what a piece of you know what Stephen yeah. A. said he is. Uh, and I, yeah, I, yeah, Oof. I, yeah. I, that dude, man. <laughs> well, yeah. Listen, I, I agree with you. Uh, everything that you said uh, in terms of the perspective, um, I can't help but think. And there's a there is a there is a term in the black community that we have used about individuals like himself uh, that I'm not going to re repeat here, but um, it's very much like uh, Stephen, uh, the character Stephen on Django. I'll just say it like that. Yeah. And uh, it's no different, really. And in and, and EJ, you know, you and I had very different backgrounds growing up. You know, I grew up interracial family. My dad was black. My mom was white grew up in Cortez Junction, Arizona, you know, around nothing but white people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it wasn't except for my, my summer vacations out to LA 
around my dad's side of the family um, that I would even see anybody that was black around me. I was the only black. It felt like I was the only black kid up in Prescott, you know, like in that area. Right. right? And so my upbringing was completely different than, than yours. But, um, you know, as you grow, you know, the, there's two things that I realized in my life. One, people know that I'm not white. So um, the, the people out there that, that don't jive uh, with people of color, um, you know, I'm one of those people. And so I, I have I've been on that side um, and been victimized uh, because mm-hmm. of stuff like that. Right. Um, also, too, um, I had to learn a lot about my own black history uh, through sources outside of just my dad, because my dad is, is a deaf man, grew up in in Texas in the 40s and 50s. Um, uh, during the, the height of racial tension in America. And, but because he was deaf, he wasn't able to really understand the depth of the issues on so many different levels that we were facing, uh, here in America. And so I had to learn that as I got older, um, from a variety of other sources, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it's been a journey for me. Right. And so, when when I finally got to the point where, you know, I understood a significant part of the journey of, of black people, not only in America, but around the world, um, you know, I have tremendous pride in that. And when I see an individual like this just completely sell out, completely sell out um, to try and appease um, people that could give two shits about black people. Let me just say it like that. Um, it's really disappointing. And that's that's just below the scum of the earth, in my opinion. And Stephen A was spot on about that stuff. And, uh, I know his, his, his whole 45 minute thing was, it was filled with a lot of profanity name calling. Um, and you can like that or you don't, it's fine. But I will say that, um, that there's a, there's a place for everything. And I think, uh, Stephen A calculated his place and his target and he took it. At, at, at a moment that I thought was, <laughs> was quite apt. So, um, yeah, you know, I will say this too. I will say this real quick too. I, I, I have never, ever, ever, ever judged a person based on the way they look, their color, uh, you know, what, uh, what gender they no. are. I could give two shits about any of that stuff. I, I, I basically only judge you on how you treat me and the people around. Right. And After that's all you I get to do. know them. Yeah, after you get to know them, then you can judge them. And I, I just, you know, and most people do. Like, most people do. And then that's 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 the part that gets me. It's like, <clears throat> there's some bad people in this world, but it's really a small percentage. There's a lot of great people in this world. More great people in this world than bad, by far. And, and to me, I always tell people, just judge people, man, based on what you think, not what others think. Mm-hmm. We far too much have so many people making judgments on people based on what somebody else told them about that person. And just because you don't, it's so many people that I get along with that I have friends that don't get along with them. But I'm not going to not get along with them because you don't. That's between you and him, not or you and her. It's not between me and them. And so I'm not going to do that because I wouldn't want anybody doing that to me. Like, because it is some people that might not care for me too much. And that's fine. But I don't want somebody else saying, oh, I don't like Eddie because he treated my friend wrong. Well, hold up now. Maybe your friend did something that I didn't like. 
maybe I just not, you know, I'm not attracted to your friend as regards to being a friend, but you're different, you know? And so that's just the way I look at it. And, and like I said, you know, what he, what he did, what he, the way he want to go at Stephen A. Smith based on a book, cause he jealous, he's jealous of his book. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Like you read his book. That's why I know he's jealous because <laughs> yeah. he read it. Like if if I don't care for somebody too much, I'm not reading the book. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. not. And I love to read. So he read it because he was looking for dirt. So you people that follow Jason Whitlock understand he read Stephen A. Smith's book because one, he's envious of him. Stephen A. Smith's making over 10 to $15 million a year. He thought that he was going to be that guy and he failed. And now he's looking for dirt on him. He's jealous of athletes because he was what? A failed athlete. He failed. He at one point in time thought that he would be a great athlete, but he failed. And so now he goes after athletes because he's envious. He's an envious dude. That's all it is. And the people that follow him and like him, you're envious too. Your character is of that ilk. Yep. That's the problem. Million percent. Million percent. Uh, the great thing about this show is, is that uh, we <coughs> enjoy Suns basketball and we all do it together and we talk about hoops. We talk about things like this sometimes. That's uh, that's the the joy of this. And it's really a privilege to be able to share that with all of you guys. You, you guys' comments in the chat are fantastic. Uh, some really good perspectives. Really appreciate you all. Also, we have one super chat before we get out of here <clears throat> from Psycho Blue saying, nothing ever comes easy in the Valley. Curious, however, Ishbia will respond if the big three are healthy and three weeks from now we're in trouble. And then also Saul and EJ didn't just give us sports takes, but life lessons today, more like knit Whitlock. Gotcha. Uh, Cycle Blue, we really do appreciate it. It is going to be interesting to see how HBO responds uh, to, you know, if this does continue for another three weeks, uh, you know, what this is going to look like. But we have some time to try and figure it out. And hopefully the Suns will do that tonight in L.A., uh, you know, and so we can always hope, EJ. That's all we got right now. That's all we got is hey, hope. I just tell people, remember when they were losing early, went on a seven-game win streak, and we thought, okay, man, they got it together. Just just know that that time is coming again. And this is a marathon. Keep, keep telling people. It's a freaking marathon, man. And remember this. The Lakers were a play-in team. They made the conference finals last year. The Heat were an eighth seed playing team they pretty much almost lost their playing game to atlanta was it atlanta uh yeah. no 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 it was, it was toronto it was toronto yeah, yeah they barely got them okay toronto was winning that game and they went from there and they made a nba final so the, enjoy the marathon it gives you a headache i know it takes you up and down like a roller coaster but we know we got the product to go win and now, you know, it's about just the right ingredients, making it work around them. And I think that's the challenge. And, and hopefully they'll get it done and they'll start playing much better soon. Tend this show, uh, I will say, I'll, I will quote the great Andy Dufresne off of Shawshank. Hope is a great thing, maybe the best of things, and no great thing ever dies. So go Suns. Hopefully they get it uh, back on track tonight. For EJ, you can follow him on Twitter at JumpShot8. You can follow me on Twitter at Saul underscore Bookman. Until next time, we love y'all. Peace.